Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We have a great show today for you. Recorded it Wednesday evening. We've got Chris checking in from Montana. He's going to run through his past couple weeks hanging out in big sky country. He did a little fly fishing, and he's been doing a lot of watching NFL news. So we catch up on a lot of that. We study some of these pictures of these guys showing up to NFL training camps from present and past with the Aaron Rodgers, Nick Cage video obviously being the focus. We'll sound the Hunger Games whistle for the NFLers who have retired the past couple weeks. And Chris gives his thoughts on the details of the Kyler Murray contract. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch turning the keys of the 49ers over to Trey Lance. And Julio Jones joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A quick check-in, but thank you all for tuning in. Much love. fun might take more breaks huh reed yeah go to montana more often maybe this time we can go in the winter and we can hit the slopes well i want to hear about your trip first we uh california we did uh king's canyon sequoia national park uh flew into san francisco drove down did five days backpacking amazing water amazing hikes spent it with my dad so it was it was very nice caught a bunch of fish Released them all. They were all unharmed. Kern River golden trout. They're uh, na- they are endangered in the area. I caught them, kissed the fish, released them. You were fly fishing. I was fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. Was walking yeah. in and it started a couple conversations because they were like, "Damn, you got, you brought your fly rod all the way up here." I w- I left mine at home and I was like, "Well, you should have brought it. You can catch some fish." Those guys on the airplanes always look so fucking cool with their little fly rod, uh, you know, uh, suitcases, if you will. Yep. I got to tell you, man, I, I'm notoriously a guy who doesn't get fishing. Like, and you know, fishing is kind of one of those things. I'm on the river a lot. Like you pass people who are fishing and I'm like, not to judge, but I just don't fucking care, buddy. And you always have to be like, what are they biting today? You got to like make contact and act like you care. 
but then I went fly fishing myself here for the first time. In my I was going to say, you just, you did it. And if you run into another person on the river, who's fly fishing. The question that the fly fishing people would appreciate, what are you using? What fly? What are you using on there? Well, they're What's biting catching? the dry fly, Reed. They're biting the dry fly. That's right. Did you do oh, any streamers? Dad. No, no streamers. <laughs> but so, so the thing was, uh, I had Bo Allen up, uh, among other people, uh, have, have been here to the Ponderosa in Northwest Montana. And Bo came to visit, uh, treated a little bit like an official visit for Greenlight because we want Bo to do more stuff with Greenlight. So what do I do? I, I have him up and I get him absolutely shit faced. And then I take him, uh, you know, fly fishing. Cause this was the one thing he wanted to do. Uh, he, he, he played switch with my kids. I rolled out the red carpet. You know, we, we, we really did. And Bo had the trip of a lifetime. Uh, but fly fishing was probably the highlight for him. He rode the front of the skiff reed. We got on the Clark fork, uh, near Missoula, Montana, some of the best fly fishing, uh, you can do in the United States Indeed. and uh, we got on the Clark fork and I, you know, me being unselfish, I let, I let Bo Allen ride the front of the skiff. Well, what that means is the fish are going to see his fly first. Now he slayed six or seven rainbows and cutties read. Damn. I didn't even catch a single fish. So, uh, maybe well, the fish heard me talking shit about fishing, but you would think it would work the other way around. But that's what a good host does, especially on a recruiting visit. You let the, you let the recruit enjoy, get, you know, take everything in, uh, oh, take his little fucking picture. He took his little picture where he, he took a couple it. pictures. He took a couple pictures. You should have seen him on the boat there. You know, he's like, oh, it's getting hot. After he caught his first one, he said, oh, it's getting hot. He was like, the next picture I need Take to the show tarp you. Off. Yeah. By the way, Bo Allen looks terrific. It's amazing to think that under a 340-pound nose tackle, who, by the way, looked great uh, at 340, he sheds 30, 40 pounds, uh, retiring from football. Congratulations, Bo. Uh, and he looks jacked. He looks like I was afraid to take pictures with him, dude. You know, like I, I, he's that friend for me now. I don't want to be in a shirtless picture next to Bo Allen. He's a dead ringer for Ajax. If they ever did a Troy origin story, he's a dead ringer for Ajax. A dude with the huge hammer. Oh, okay, because Reed, I thought you, I thought you said Jax, and I was like, he's black. <laughs> I was thinking Mortal Kombat. I was like, Reed, where are we going with this? Okay, Ajax. Okay, he yeah. a, he's a, he's a dead ringer for somebody muscular in the movies. Uh, but he, he got some pictures holding, uh, holding nice looking trout. I asked him on the way home, uh, how big he thought his biggest, uh, fish that he caught today was. And he said, uh, definitely in the twenties. I don't think so. Reed that the fish he had was pretty big. Did, it was 19 or maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's hard to know how long Bo's arms are. Cause that's how you measure the fish. See how long the, long, yeah. the arm is, but well, well, you should have seen him. He was straining his fucking, uh, you know, the, his shoulders, to get the fish close to the camera, you know, to, to affect the scale of the right, fish. Right, right. About how long did it take from fly from fish on the fly to him reeling it in to the uh, to the net? Not long. Not long. Uh, Good. This guy was slam, dude. The, the guide was really impressed, and I was happy because the, the the visit went well. Let me ask you this question, Reed: Is it a code break to play music as you pass a fisherman on the water? Uh, it depends on how fast you pass them. If you're very, if you're going real, if you guys are floating together for multiple minutes, it is a code break. But if you, if you go by quickly, if you're kind of like, that's your vibe and, and you're just floating by, I don't think that's a, that's a code break at all. 
It's really rich to to claim code break on account of disturbing the peace on the river when you're killing the inhabitants of the river. <laughs> you know, like how do you think they feel about you, fishermen? And you're worried about me disturbing your peace? Right. You're traumatizing fish and you're mad about the music. Did you get yelled yeah. at? No, 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 no. We didn't, have, we didn't have music. I didn't want to fuck around. This was like a real guy, dude. But say I'm kayaking when I get back to Virginia and somebody's fishing on the James. I mean, you know, I usually turn the music down, but mostly because I'm so fucking afraid to offend fishermen. Yeah, you'll be fine. Around, yeah. Yeah. What, what, are you, what, what are you catching? Like, I give a fuck or no, dude. Right. Uh, but I'm at least one toe in the water here with fish and I'm going back. I'm going to fly fish again. Kyle Long also visited me, Reed um that was nice well he, he was more visiting my parents i guess but we spent a lot of time uh he didn't come over to my house once <laughs> <laughs> actually uh now that, that i'm thinking about it he wasn't uh, the one who helped you with those adirondack chairs no those adirondack chairs were motherfucker reed I, you know as i said in the video that i put on twitter uh you should you should definitely corroborate the story when your wife tells you that little assembly is required um, and here's the kicker, dude, these chairs were averaging. They said on the brochure, 30 minutes a chair. I was doing like an hour and 20 a chair, bro. <laughs> I was banging my finger on the little wrenches. I had multiple cuts on my fingers. Those Allen wrenches, man. Oh man. I was doing it in front of other tradesmen. There were a bunch of people laying sod and shit. So it felt like I was doing it at a, you know, like Madison square garden. I right. felt so self-conscious. Uh, but they were, even they were walking by like these Adirondacks are the worst, man. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> they were your so, contemporaries. You had a, you had a good audience to impress. I feel like, uh, craftsmen are the people that you want to impress the most. Oh, dude, people, you, sure. people who work with your, with their hands for sure, dude. I don't want to be, you know, that's one of the most emasculating thing in the world. Like to, to have a guy walk by with his tool belt and I drop a tiny Allen wrench and the fucking, the Adirondack falls apart. Here's the That's worst right. part of it. This might've been actually take the cake for the most emasculating thing that happened to me. A week later, my wife gets home with two assembled Adirondack chairs. <laughs> so, all that was for naught. but Kyle did not help me with the Adirondack chairs. Um, Kyle was hanging out at mom and dad's house. Kyle took dad's truck to drive it across the country. He had his giant German shepherd with him bear uh <laughs> bear was jumping off trees i saw those videos yes bear's really good at fetching things <laughs> if there's one thing bear enjoys doing it is fetching things so uh bear was here he had to drive bear back his trip took him through minneapolis so my dad lends him the pickup truck to drive home because dad needs it driven home anyways to virginia so he's going to drive across the country him and this bear well kyle you know he doesn't really follow like ways well so he's putting extra miles in the truck. I don't know. Maybe it was one of the his uh, side adventures that he went on with Bear to take him for a walk or something in some rough terrain. But something got into the axle around Minnesota. So at 11 o'clock at night, Kyle's got nowhere to stay because not every hotel is dog friendly. He's got no car. He's got to call dad and tell him, hey, I fucked up your car. Sorry. Uh, and, and the worst part was the hotels that were actually dog friendly because I was frantically in dad mode calling them on the like, Kyle, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm like, Kyle, where you at? He's like, I'm just walking through the city trying to find a hotel. Don't worry about me. I'm good. It's 1130 at night, dude. So I'm on the porch stoned out of my mind trying to call hotels to see if I can get a hotel book for my man child of a brother. <laughs> he walking around with a fucking police dog in downtown Minneapolis 
he ends up in the fucking, he ends up in some, you know, I, I, I get, I get a place with a vacancy on the phone. I get it all set up. There's this 15 minute process. Me and the lady are like friends. I'm about to make the reservation. She comes back on the phone and says, I'm sorry, there's a problem. We don't allow German shepherds. <laughs> he got dog racism. He got breedism, dude. He, they breedism. And is that common to not allow German shepherds at places? I'd never heard anything like that. I just know at like some rental places, you can't have like a dog over a certain weight, Um, which is weird because all the small dogs seem to be the yapper dogs. They're making the most noise, but I never heard a specific German shepherd can't go into a hotel. I did not know there was a large scale like animus towards German shepherds. I thought that was pit bulls. And by the way, pit bull people, man, you ever roll up to a pit bull? And you're like, there's nothing wrong with the dog in my mind. Like, it's a very muscular, strong dog. So maybe I'm going to exercise a little more caution than I would. But these pit bull people, you really got to kiss their ass about their dog, don't you? Yeah. If you see a pit bull in public, you're like, I love this dog. You see a rescue? (laughs) And, and, you know, you got to talk to them about the dog and the whole thing. Uh, There were these two uh, pit bulls sitting at dinner the other night, and we had the kids out. And we roll up and we walk around the corner, and everybody, the elephant in the room, when five of us walk around the corner and see two pit bulls tied to the open table on the patio uh, next to us, the elephant in the room is, oh, pit bulls. So, like, immediately you're trying to scoot your kid around to the other side. I know somebody's going to attack me with their pit bulls over this shit, but you know it's true. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the dogs, but it's a risk, uh, you know, it's a risk assessment, dude. You know, uh, the dogs are giant. They're muscular. You hear stories. I know they're misunderstood. So I'm scooching my kids around. My kids are like, I want to pet the dog. So what do you do? Cause you don't want to offend the pit pit bull people of all people. I, I, I allow them to inch closely to the dog. I interrogate them a bit about, is it a friendly dog? Of course. I'm like, he looks friendly. Is he? Uh, yes. He's so friendly. He's so good with kids. Uh, the kids pet him. You know, I got a lump in my throat. The kids sit back down. I say, how long have you had the dog? The woman says, two weeks. I, I rescued him two weeks ago. said, he's had a very hard life. You can tell. <laughs> I said, are you fucking kidding me? My kid just pet your dog. But he's friendly. He's friendly. I've known him two weeks. He hasn't had a, no issues. And that's pitbull people in a nutshell. And I know I'm going to take help for this. I know not all of you are like this. King, Kingston, am I going to ki- kill for this? No, that's insane. That dog could have gone through any number of things, and it's like five to ten years of existence. And I mean, out of it in two weeks. The worst part, I was like, I was like, how long have you had it? Two weeks. I was like, what did he go through? I don't know. Just a lot of stuff. They said. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So, anyways, long story short, Kyle goes to Minneapolis with a German Shepherd. They turn him down. He's got to spend two days in Minneapolis with a dog. He's out there getting drunk on the lamb alone in restaurants with a dog tied to the fucking. There's a German Shepherd. People probably kissing his ass walking right. by, right? Pretty dog. <laughs> I love those dogs. Yeah. They've come a long way from Nazi Germany, haven't they? That's they're right. Really they're, nice though, right. They're not they're not being asked if they're a friendly dog. Everyone just knows. Everyone just no. assumes. Everybody knows really good with kids, really <laughs> obedient, really good at fetching. So here's the kicker. Kyle, Kyle's riding across the country. He leaves at 1 PM, right? He Irish goodbyes me. I hadn't seen him in 24 hours. We're three minutes away on the point here. He Irish goodbyes me. I got to learn from my parents that he's left. He's been here a week. Okay. I'm sitting at dinner. They're asking me where he is. 
And uh, his wife goes, oh, I know exactly where he is. I go, how so? You know, we put a, we put one of those trackers in his car <laughs> because they don't trust Kyle. And it really wasn't, it wasn't, it's not like his wife is crazy or anything. Kate's the best. It's just collectively as a unit, her and my parents made a decision that it would probably be better to put a tracking device <laughs> in Kyle's car. So, uh, so Kyle uh, demands a tracking device on all cross country expeditions. Has Kyle, Kyle- has has kyle found out since that he has a tracking he had a tracking device does he know now i don't think he cared at all he's not hiding (laughs) anything it's just about like keeping him from you know disappearing right on accident like a bermuda triangle situation in (laughs) minneapolis there's so many lakes you could be in any of them um all right so kyle Bo came up we had our little reunion. Shout out to the guys uh, from Conquering Killy that do the Killy Climb that came up here uh, to hang out this past weekend. And that coincided with Bo's uh, official visit. So let's just say Daddy was hungover, like for two days. I was, I was miserable on that fly fishing, but it was beautiful. Shout out to Caleb, who, who was our guide, but I, yeah, I, I, was, I was on E. So just coming out of that, it's been a fun time being on break, Reed. I'm glad you got some time away. Uh, I had some time away. Kingston had some time away. And uh, I'll give you a good, bad, ugly off the top here. We're going to talk a little NFL in a second because Lord knows there were some things that were were happening and we kind of agreed like not to podcast. And I was sitting here just chewing on my fucking fingernails. Like I just wanted to talk about it. It's amazing. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, Reed. I love this podcast. So here's my good. I get to Montana. Um, and every, every summer I come to Montana, Northwest Montana, I've been coming here since I was, you know, six years old. Some of my best memories ever were up here on Flathead Lake. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody has that place, you know, uh, if you're lucky, you've got that place. And, and, and my pops inexplicably in the early nineties made friends with some Laker players. Um, one of them being Frank Rakowski who played for the Sonics later. People would remember Frank from getting into it with Dennis Rodman. He eventually bought a place up here. But before that, even Larry Kristoviak, who was the head coach at Utah for a bit and played in the NBA for a long time, big man, uh, who was a mutual friend, uh, had this big get together up here. And my dad came up and fell in love with it. And we got this, uh, this little cabin on the lake, you know, cause we were living in LA at the time. You know, this is just before we moved. So I can remember driving with my dad and his best friend, Mike, through Vegas, uh, up from L.A. for the summer. We'd go up there and bring the truck up. My mom would, you know, fly in with the, with the, the younger guys. And I can remember waking up in Vegas and seeing, the you know, that big waterfall and all the bright lights and shit, going back to sleep. Just, just some great memories driving through uh, places that had no speed limits <laughs> back in the day. And you get up here and we'd be out on the boat. Uh, you know, my dad's cobalt in, in you know, in the mid nineties with, uh, with, with Bruce Springsteen on the tape deck, um, just on repeat. And, you know, at the time you're like, you know, pick a new tape dad, you know, like counting crows, uh, Hootie and the blowfish, Bruce Springsteen tunnel of love. Yeah. Which Bruce the, Springsteen uh, album was the greatest hits? Okay, Tunnel, Tunnel of Love. And Tunnel of Love is kind of a country album, works perfectly for Northwest Montana. Um, and that thing would be just, you know, not blaring in the boat because the system wasn't great or anything. And 
I'm just really appreciative every time I step off the plane that I have this place, like the smells, the crisp air. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, low as 60, you know, at night it's 85 and sunny every day. Um, and the lake water is clear. You can see down to the bottom of the lake, 20, 25 feet. Isn't that the coolest uh, thing? Yeah. It blows people away. And I also have the family memories on top of it. So I love Montana. Um, I get nostalgic every time I come up here and I can always remember one of the, one of the things we did up here was we watched the home run derby, you know, cause that was always kind of when we were up here and it was like, you know, baseball and childhood for somebody in their mid thirties right now that they, they go hand in hand, like the nineties were at the golden era. Right. And you had a lot of those, you know, the race for 62, you know, like watching those guys, like the sluggers, the derby was awesome. And, and you were a kid, so you, you just can't recreate that. But I, I sat down cause I was on a break and I could really sink in and enjoy the home run derby shark week also was a big one. Shark week used to come on every time we were up here. So even though shark week now is hosted by the rock and I've seen the same fucking shows about shark attacks and, and uh, all that stuff for going on 30 years, you know, a little bit of nostalgia creeps up in me when I watch shark week. But the home run derby was awesome because it was like nostalgia on top of nostalgia. Um, you had the derby. You had it was it was beautiful at Chavez Ravine. I mean, I've heard it's a dog shit stadium, but it's beautiful uh, that time of night. Uh, you also had Albert Pujols, who uh, you know was when I threw out the first pitch my rookie year at Bush Stadium or Cardinal Stadium rather. I walked by him in the dugout. I was like, holy shit, that's a scary dude. I mean, he was just trapped out legitimately jacked, but supposedly one of the nicest, kindest people you could ever meet, like universally loved in St. Louis. When you think about St. Louis and, you know, kind of a Mount Rushmore situation of best athletes or most famous athletes in, in St. Louis, I don't want to speak out of turn. And I'm sure you've got the wizard and Stan Musial and all that stuff. And I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. I mean, somebody from the greatest show on turf is going to be in there and whatnot. And I'm forgetting somebody. So I apologize if you're out in the three, one, four, but I think Pujols is on that list. He's definitely on that short list. And when he left, man, people were, were broken. <laughs> people were broken. His restaurant went out of business, not because it wasn't a good restaurant. I think because it was just like, it's too painful to go in here and eat. But people came back around to loving him. And to see him come back to St. Louis this year, him and Yachty on the same team, and him getting a bid in the home run derby was, was really fucking cool. And I know that a lot of people thought that that would be a dog and pony show, right? Because, you know, even me, like 20% of me, and, and I am a confirmation bias guy as a fan. Like, I'll jump out of the gym for something. I was, I was convincing myself that Pujols would be competitive. You know, it's just, it makes, makes too much sense. They're not going to trot him out there if he's absolutely dog shit. They had to ask him, like, how many dongs can you hit? And he was probably like, oh, 10, 12. And they're like, yeah, that's worth it. That will carry the home run derby. And it did. It did. And then some, because he could actually hit the ball out of the park pretty well. Once he got warmed up, we, Hey, we did a pool holes, you know, killed over hands on his knees meme too. We, I mean, everybody was capitalizing on that little bit, um, at, you know, pitch 10, he's going to be gassed, but he got better as the thing went on, man. And at one point you're looking up and he's going head to head with Schwarber who's the, uh, the Phillies dude. Right. And I'm, I'm having an inner conflict because I put a couple hundred bucks on Pujols to win. That's how my confirmation bias works. I put a couple hundred bucks to on Pujols to, to win the whole thing. And for about half the deal, I was like, maybe I'm cashing in here. I mean, Schwarber, you could see like, you could see in his eyes when he realized he was going to lose to this guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that was a good bet. 
Like, well, it's, more, it's more like the three-point contest than the dunk contest. Like, that skill of, like, hitting a home run, and he's still got the power. Like, I feel like that doesn't go away, you know? You're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. And I, I'm not a Major League Baseball player, so I don't know how it feels for Pujols the next day. Maybe he felt like Jerome Bettis uh, in, in the cold tub on Mondays after taking all those hacks. Who knows? But my man hung in there. He swung the bat well. He upset Schwarber, and he damn near beat Soto. I mean, it came down a last minute for Soto, and that was crazy to me because you're watching Soto, who who's who, who grew up in, in in the DR, and he's he's a huge fan of of Pujols, have to beat his idol, and he was happy to. But that was a really cool moment. So there was a lot of nostalgia that night for me with the Derby, um, and, and with um, with Albert Pujols being featured so heavily in there, and and on top of that, the, the, you know, I just. I just stayed on the couch and I, you know, a, a really good sporting event. I always say this has you so zoned out that you just stay on the couch for a couple hours. Like you don't move. If your kids are asleep, whatever, you're just, you're glued. Like, what did I just watch? I, I changed the channel a bit, found Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Excellent. Yes. Rufus. If you love Bill and Ted, and you want to get a nostalgia boner, go back and watch that movie because every moment of that movie, I remember like it was yesterday. Wild Stallions, and, dude. Oh, Napoleon eating ice cream and shit. Joe Mark in the, in, the, uh, in the sporting goods store. You so crates, dust in the wind. <laughs> it, all, it all came back to me. And, and uh, it's fucking crazy that back, back in the day, George Carlin's like, I didn't realize the gravity of who I was watching. Dude, George Carlin is literally God. <laughs> he's, he's up there. So so just an awesome, nostalgic time up here in general. But that night was great. And then I'll give you my bad, the Madden ratings, dude. When did Madden need to advertise, right? Did John Madden pass away? God rest his soul. And did people just start fucking, is it Lord of the Flies over there, dude? Max Crosby not in the top 10? Uh, edge rushers, right? Yep. We got Robert Quinn, who had 18 and a half sacks. I know I'm biased on these guys, and I just want to take the time to point out, and I'll say that I, I called the Max Crosby thing two years ago. I, I don't do this a lot, but I've been on this Max Crosby thing since before it was popular. This motherfucker is a top 10 rusher. Easy. Now, the problem you run into is you've got all these guys who are kind of legacy guys, and I'm not doubting that they still have 90 ratings in the tank or 93 ratings in the tank but you got to see it if it's been a year i just didn't like where max was and then on the flip side of that you have guys uh like trey hendrickson uh son reddick who were rated too low hendrickson might have got snubbed the worst he was rated below um chase young who i love chase young bro when when i saw chase young and um we are a NASCAR thing. We try. I tried to link up with him because I, I love the way he works, and I think he's a good player, man. Uh, he's got a chance to be a great player. But if you go off production, having Trey Hendrickson below a Chase Young, having Hassan Reddick below him, like as an edge rusher, I was sitting there that morning. I woke up and I said, look at all these fucking people on social media in a frenzy about Madden. It's working. Madden's getting exactly what they want. They get ESPN to talk about the ratings. You know, it coincides with the launch, but I think it's also irresponsible to these players. And it's the same thing I've said about PFF at time, the lowest common denominator of fan. Uh, and I don't mean that in a status way or, but like most NFL fans are very, are very 
you know, basic fans. They're not like, there are so many NFL fans. There's so many casual NFL fans. So it's a bit uh, irresponsible to just haphazardly grade these guys. And if they think they're doing it according to some like algorithm that's superior, I'm looking at the, I mean, listen to what the guys are saying, man. I just did the defensive ends there. And I was sitting here saying, fuck Madden, dude, I'm not going to jump into the fray on this thing and give them exactly what they want. I was going out to get in the, get in the water, jump in the hot tub, have a nice little, little like Wednesday morning, whatever it was. And I see Max Crosby's not in the top 10. I see Trey Hendrickson, who's had like, you know, 27 sacks over the last two years. Uh, He's not in there, but you know, Robert Quinn, I know you're, 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 you're not, you're, you're doing the opposite of buying the dip here, but he just did 18 and a half or whatever he did on the bears. I know you didn't watch. They did a good job with some of the ratings, at least. Did you see Buda Baker? Well, yeah, we know Buda Baker. 90, 91 speed. Buda Baker is very fast. He's very fast, dude. Hey, I just want to. I just want to point that out. Buda Baker is very fast. It's, a, it's almost like an ad read we can do on this fucking show. Buda Baker is fast, and we're going to talk about one of his teammates in a couple minutes. Hopefully, I don't get quote tweeted by him. It was tough. It was tough with the bad ratings. It's tough to see that. The ugly for me, a couple things. I'll just rifle through these things. Number one, I told you so about the robots, man. I've been off for a couple weeks. I've been, you know, biting my tongue. I haven't been, you know, the mic hasn't been on. But robots suck. They suck balls, man. These robots are out here breaking kids' fingers. Bullies. They're bullies. Bullies. They're bullying kids, man. Uh, they're holding guns. They, they, they're not even trying to hide the fact that they're black mirror actors, dude. These robots are going to take the world over. They're going to take everybody's jobs, which I don't know if people were really crazy about working right now anyways, but, uh, (laughs) they're going to fuck shit up is what I have been saying it. I've been saying this thing, guys, like I'm not right on a lot, but I'm right on this. I'm right on Max Crosby and automation. That's what I'm right on. Okay. And, and, and if they don't nip this thing in the bud, it's going to be a problem. I'm just telling you, I might have to disappear. I'm not even going to be able to podcast. So if you listen to green light, go sign a fucking petition or something. What do we have to do? Do we have to march on Boston dynamics and get mowed down by a bunch of fucking four legged robots? Does somebody have to like get in front of a tank for this to, for, you know, like, what are we doing here? You ever think about how you're probably like the robot's number one target if they ever do go that way, you know, because you're, you're this outspoken critic, like they're coming for you first. No question, dude. That's why I'm brave. And that's why if I die at the hands of a robot, y'all need to do a statue of me. Like, I don't care that they're listening. I don't care. This bulletin board material. I don't think you guys are that good at stuff at all. Obviously they're not that good at chess. He had to break the kid's finger to win. Bet you can't build an Adirondack chair. Fuck boys. (laughs) So anyways, uh, that's ugly. The kid from, from Kentucky, the quarterback who's crossfading with nicotine and with mayonnaise, that's, that's hideous, undraftable. You know, here, here, I'm going to give you a chance. Will Levis, you know, come on here and clear your name. Okay. Will anybody, anybody out there listening knows this, this muscle bound quarterback from fucking Kentucky who's jacked out of his mind on a diet of, amphetamines in his fucking in his fucking mayonnaise he's mixing the caffeine with the mayonnaise putting mayonnaise in his coffee will if you want to get on here and and fucking i'm 37 years old dude it's not too late you can resurrect your image man you don't have to do this all right 
You're hurting your draft stock. You can't have people like that in the building. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. It's ugly. And I want to give you a chance to clear, clear your name. Anybody know Will? I'm not, I'm, he's a fine football player, but that's poison. Disgusting. He also uh, eats uh, bananas with their peels. That's one eighth as hideous as what he did to that cup of coffee, which is drugs in the first place. <laughs> okay. And then the last ugly is going to be these helmets, man. I mean, the NFL is just diarying these alternate helmets. Like, which alternate or throwback helmet are you most excited to see this season? Well, I'll probably be tuning out of any game that the, uh, that the New Orleans Saints are wearing that bad boy under the lights, the, the yellow lights of the Superdome. This is a black helmet with a bunch of tiny little uh, fleur-de-lis, the middle of the front of the helmet all the way back, like a stripe. It looks like a fucking Chanel bag. Looks like a Bourbon Street Chanel bag. Uh, dudes running around with Chanel bags on their heads. And and we're ODing on the black helmets, man. Macon, who's going to be back at some point soon, and I were talking, we were back channeling about some of these uniforms. Just a bunch of black helmets. I mean, it's just the easiest cop-out. Black helmets were bold in 2003, man, on my high school team. When we when our colors were maroon and white and we went to a black helmet, that's when that was like a you now I'm I'm not gonna give you a golf clap. In fact, it's hard to pull this off. Well, look what Washington did. They just took a black helmet and put a small W on top. That's right. And I don't hate that out of all the black helmets, because at least you're not trying to be fa- fancy, you know? At least put uh, at least put like a W on the side, matching W's. And where is Daniel Snyder's yacht? What the fuck <laughs> while we're while we're at it? Yacht watch. What is that, what is that maneuver? <laughs> then seal team six, dude. What are we doing? Go get that motherfucker. You can't skirt the, the judicial arm of the NFL. You look you guys look like total babies right now. You look like total babies. You got Dan Snyder playing fucking uh Leonardo DiCaprio right now. Catch me if you can. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a fucking slow ass boat. Roll up on him with one of those inflatable outboard motor boats and a bunch of fucking frogmen, dude. Go get that guy. I love the Bengals white helmet. The orange Bears helmet's trash. Uh, but I will tell you if the, the, the Patriots, the Falcons, the Giants, even the Cowboys, they're doing a good job with this thing. Okay. If I left anybody out, I'm sorry. It's the degradation of some of these brands that, that some of the, the, that some of these people are worried about with, with, you know, why didn't the NFL do like, uh, five alternate jerseys? I mean, this is what you get. Not everybody, uh, not all um, uniform connoisseurs are created equally. And, you know, people with big wallets are making these decisions. They don't all know unis, man. And some of these lids are hideous. So back to business for a second. We've had good podcasting going on. We put together a couple good shows for y'all so we could go on autopilot for a little bit. Uh, shout out to Kevin Clark for, for shouting us out. We don't get that a lot. Uh, the Michael Bennett interview, uh, he gave us some props for that one. And some of the ways that me and Mike were talking about coaching and power dynamics in the NFL. I love Mike, man. Mike's a lot of fun. Uh, I could talk to Mike for probably three hours at a time. Uh, I want to do more with Mike. So Mike and I are going to try to do some more in-person stuff. I bet at some point here, I'd love to, to do more sit downs and tackle some more stuff with, with old Michael Bennett there. Uh, and then Leland Melvin, 
uh, an astronaut joined me in studio, which was really cool. I, I hope you could hear how fun it is to talk in person, you know, like, uh, to have a guest in studio was cool. And Leland and I have had a nice little friendship friends, friends with an astronaut. So it was cool. Uh, I probably would have been shitting my pants if, uh, an astronaut who I'd never met strolled into studio J and I had to like, you know, hang in there with him, but he was a great guest and we got a lot of feedback. Maybe he was one of the favorite guests anybody ever heard. So on our show, at least so shout out to Leland Melvin and NASA for letting us borrow a uh, former astronaut. I don't know if it's one of those things like Marines, you're not supposed to say former Marine. You're always a Marine, right? If you're an astronaut, are you always an astronaut or is it like former astronaut? It's gotta be always, it's gotta be, he's always an astronaut. Yeah. Cause he could always at any moment just, pop off and go to space exactly they so, all have personal spaceships somewhere i would love that dude that would make me i would go through the first man stuff if they let you keep a spaceship that you could use like recreationally um there's so many satellites that's what you know what that's what ufos are they're all just former astronauts or they're all astronauts personal spaceships read and then and nasa just doesn't want to tell anybody that all the astronauts have their own personal spaceships that's what yeah, it is that would cause that would cause a panic and then everybody else would want one yeah exactly because they're all like i want to i want one and then everybody's signing up for nasa and nasa's like we can't take everybody y'all gotta chill so it's big sky country here reed i'm, I'm looking at the stars every night checking out the milky way galaxy and all that shit i saw uh, the milky way last week in california oh, I bet you pretty? Did, I, oh man she's she is milky and uh me and Bo were out there looking at that thing and uh that thing was juicy and there were there were uh satellites just you know just going crazy up there man i don't know if you know there's a lot of satellites out there hopefully they don't hit each other that would be a problem you know it's actually a huge problem there's this it's called space junk and there's like a bunch of defunct satellites up there that are just orbiting around there's like way too much it's a lot of people say that it's like a a big problem that we're not dealing with well, add me to that list of people who say it's a big problem we're not dealing with. Holy shit. Too many satellites? Maybe. But yeah, Leland Melvin, the astronaut who was on the show. Shout out to Leland. That was a great, fun time. And, uh, and, and you know, Goldberg was a fun interview, too. I, hey, I love having these long-form guest interviews. We will do more of them. I think we plan on doing some more of those on Wednesdays in season, as many as we can. Uh, we'll keep serving y'all with some of the non-football content from time to time because we're about to to be in that mode of like, man, there's a lot of football. When you're building a dream team, great scouts can help you find the future MVPs first. To hire great talent faster, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is the unbelievably powerful hiring partner delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Sign up for Indeed now and get $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to learn more. 
Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The way I jumped out of the, you know, the gym when Eddie Goldman retired, not because I wanted him to retire, but because, oh, there's some entertaining football news. Like, that's the way I'll be wanting to break in about, you know, uh, three, four months. In training camp, Reed, they used to say when you'd roll up, the vets would be like, hey, Rook, or, you know, see long. This is the best you're going to feel the rest of the season. And that is a sobering fucking thought, dude, because I'm kind of sore from running the conditioning test. <laughs> okay. And that's us as podcasters right now. Like, we're going to take a few more weeks, kind of on and off, uh, maybe sprinkle in some pre recorded stuff, but we are not going to feel this good <laughs> until February. And then I got to go climb Killy. Cause I'm doing that this year again. So this is going to be a long few months. All right. Um, makes me think about retiring. All right. There's a lot of arrivals and departures in the NFL uh, right now. Right. Uh, you got the rookies coming on. You got, you got vets reporting. I'll talk about some of those pictures or whatever. Uh, and then you got the retirements, the departures, man, we will get to the departures in a second, but when it comes to the arrivals, man, Holy shit. I mean, like Nick Cage was was actually pretty well executed, very actually, well executed. I want to say this: Nick Cage was more Diesel because I saw a side by side. Nick Cage is more Diesel than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Nick for Cage sure. On air, might be able to beat up Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, for sure, he no, was no disrespect because they're both you know great athletes. Nick Cage was big. He was big in that movie. Fuck yeah, he was big. He was young. And then, you know, I guess, you know, people were breaking down. Why did he drop his bag in the middle of the road, all this shit? Like, you think he just left that for somebody there? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that's what uh, I was going to ask. What do you think he, did he just throw it on a pile? Did we not see a pile of bags? Did he throw maybe, it? Was that something from the movie? Maybe, maybe it was something from the movie. Uh, you know, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> uh, it, but, but. I don't remember if there was a scene in that movie where the bag was dropped that way, but I'm going to assume that there was a pile of bags. Um, I wish they had, it got me thinking, you know, cause you see some really cool ones every year and, you know, people do it up. You've got Jalen uh, Ramsey in the Brinks truck. You've got, uh, you know, Reggie Wayne every year in a different, she shows up in a formula one car, Brett Kiesel in a tractor, you know, some extravagant, like, man, this took some thinking, but I'm really into the old retro pictures of dudes just rolling up to camp. I think that's what's getting lost in the shuffle right now. It's an unfair beauty standard. It really is. It's like on Instagram, the filters, you know, there's players sitting around out there that come to camp all normal. They probably get sad looking at fucking guys rolling up in Lamborghinis with their own personal photographers, you know, guys hitting a knee to get that perfect angle of you walking through the parking lot, looking cool as fuck. I have friends with photographers right now. I'll never get it. I, I vow to never have a personal photographer. Okay. It's an unfair, it's like a filter. That's not how we show up to camp. That's not how most people show up to camp. I wish they had St. Louis pictures, man. You know, me, walking through Westport Plaza garage in the, in the 106 degree heat. It was the garage under the fucking thing where they had the dumpster and I'm just inhaling like trash from room 637. And I've got a jug of water and a couch cushion to put between my legs. Like that's how I rolled up to camp and it, and nobody gave a fuck. Like I tried to find foot, footage of this. Nobody cared about our camps, dude. I tried to, I typed in <laughs> St. Louis Rams training camp arrival, 2008, 9, 10, you know, all the years. 
didn't didn't find one it was like a really painful dream it's like it never happened dude and uh we used to we used to come down through the bowels of the westport plaza there and that's how most people show up to camp now not every camp is as unceremonious uh as rolling up to like a you know hotel in a shopping uh district in st louis uh you know a lot of people riding bikes and that sort of thing but i'm loving you know sifting through old pictures i posted a couple roberto garza with 27 rolls of toilet paper he was not a rookie so that's pretty disturbing he wasn't bringing that for anybody maybe he was being unselfish and was tasked with this is 2010 he's a vet at this point he's like one of the the guys at his position around the league bench is like 700 pounds he's not getting toilet paper for anybody he's getting toilet paper for, for himself he's rolling up in slides with 27 rolls of charmin getting ready to test the, the plumbing in bourbon a he's eating a diet of 4,000 calories a day that's got to land somewhere so he needs the soft stuff he doesn't want that fucking paper thin doctor's office stuff you know that stuff will cut your butt man roberto garza was a great player he was prepared he was prepared to go to camp same thing with fucking kyle orton the, there's a chicago bears uh, article i found with all these you know, bears from throughout the years showing up to camp and all these Phil Velasquez uh, pictures, who's, I guess, a legendary Chicago photographer, or maybe, yeah, Chicago Tribune guy, you know, snapping all these regular Joes going to work. Kyle Orton, he's got a Led Zeppelin shirt on and a guitar. I don't know who the fuck is listening to Kyle Orton play guitar during camp, but he's got a guitar, dude. These are the pictures that, that I'm more interested in. I've got Rex Grossman carrying a, a TV and a bed sheet looking like shit dude that's 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 what most guys look look like rolling up to camp you know shout out to edger and james for going to camp in a, in a taxi in 2002 and actually he had to go to camp in a taxi because he had too many speeding tickets that's the backstory of that thing and peyton manning was like you got to show up all blue collar and shit don't get a limo like roll up in a taxi it was like a, an hour drive supposedly to their camp and he took it in a, in a taxi cab i bet he had a good year in 2002 Okay. Look like one of those crazy taxi taxi cabs with the checkers on the side and shit. That's how you roll up the camp. That's how most people roll up to camp. Somebody sent me in Jim McMahon rolling up the camp in the, in the eighties, dude, with a bunch of cases of Bud Light, which means that quarterbacks don't do shit in camp, but I don't think it was just the quarterbacks in the eighties. I think everybody deleted beers in training camp. Cause you had no choice. Like in our training camps, everybody's like, I can be sober for three weeks. When you went to camp for like three months and there were two days every day, I think everybody was like, you have to self-medicate. Did Jim McMahon just always wear those sunglasses? Oh, yeah, yeah. He must have always I, had those things on. Which is, I kind of wonder how many pairs he loses. Right. Or was it the same pair? Did he always have them on? He also just looks like a, uh, he looks like a dad heading to the beach like walking from the beach house down to the beach for like a yeah, full day good. of drinking. He doesn't look like he's going to, 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 you know, a three month, you know, meat grinder there, but, but that's where he's going, dude. And, and, uh, the, the bears in, in the eighties probably deleted a lot of beers, but you know, those quarterbacks, that's why they look happy now. That's why fucking Russell Wilson's like all hyped rolling up in his own Jersey, which might be a code break in a Jeep or a Bronco. It's all, you know, decked out and shit like he had time to think about this i mean aaron Rodgers going is great i mean like i, I love the bit and everything i'm glad he he didn't do like face off that would have been confusing 
like a John Travolta mask. If he rolled up in a John Travolta mask, everybody would have been like, what the fuck? Uh, he should do Wicker Man next year. What do you think about Wicker Man? <laughs> That'd be good. So quarterbacks, they got time to think about this shit, man. We didn't have time to think about that. I, I was like, man, I got to be hydrated. I'm thinking about my back. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not thinking about an outfit. So a lot of arrivals. Keep that in mind. Most of the NFL doesn't arrive like that. It's an unfair beauty standard. That should be a poster. Yes. So yeah, a lot of arrivals, also departures, man. A lot of retirements. Uh, I'll start with one that that's near and dear to my heart. Um, Danny Amendola officially retired uh, this week, and uh, not a surprise. Uh, you know, like it's been 13 years, all right, and didn't do much in Houston last year because of injuries. Um, he was in Detroit before that, but most people know him from the Patriots and the Rams and that sort of thing. And he's somebody who's a, who's a good friend of mine, you know, been to Bonnaroo with him. Uh, we, we, we partied, traveled all over the country, played football together, dealt with some hard losses together. Um, and somebody I just, I, I consider a great friend and a great teammate, dude. Like he was just one of the all time teammates. Me and Danny Amendola met in, um, I don't know, 2008, probably at the Gator Bowl banquet. Virginia was playing Texas Tech. We were playing Mike Leach's team. They had those crazy O-line splits. The O-linemen would get like, you know, 10 feet apart. And so, like, good luck sacking Graham Harrell. You got to go 30 yards to get him. Um, And Danny was out there. Crabtree was out there. And we should have beat him. We lost. And it was a bad loss. Like, it was, it didn't feel good. You know, like, I... I, I don't carry the Gator Bowl around, but it was kind of shitty eating at Morton's with uh, my family later that night to celebrate a college career, dude. Like, uh, it was it was a disappointing loss. So, Danny, fast forward, has a stint with the Cowboys uh, in 2008 or nine. Featured um, on Hard Knocks. Featured on Hard Knocks. That's how a lot of people got to know him. In 2008, I guess he was with the Eagles. Uh, for a little bit as well. Uh, But in 2009, he rolled up to be a St. Louis Ram. He had never really seen real action when he got dropped off in Earth City. And I can remember the day he walked into the the locker room and his locker was near mine. And he walked in, he's got this little fucking duffel bag and he's holding it. It's the Gator Bowl duffel bag. (laughs) (laughs) And I walk over and I'm like, uh, fuck man, some nerve, huh? Like at this point, we didn't really know each other. We just met at the Gator Bowl. And I was like, yeah, dude, some fucking nerve on you. Like, I, I wasn't pissed, but I was just laughing. Like, kind of just trying to take his temperature, see how he could take a little a little, a little, little ribbon. And uh, he gave me this, you know, that smile. And, uh, and, we, and, and we ended up being buddies. I ended up taking him out uh, to, I believe it was Obi Clark's there in St. Louis on Brentwood Boulevard, for those of you who are in 314. And just got him absolutely shit faced. Like his first night there on Rumplements, <laughs> of all things, dude. And uh, when I tell you, he puked in my closet. He puked right in my closet that night. Uh, cleaned it up. Woke me up in the morning. You know, I, I woke up in the morning, walked out uh, into the uh, the kitchen. He's like, "Hey, bud." He's like, uh, "Puked in your closet, pretty good." But I I did clean it up. I cleaned it up really well. So uh, he. Uh, he was a great player for the Rams, man. He, you know, we, we, we had a terrible offensive line, couldn't really get the ball out to him, but he still caught a million balls and Sam and him had a really good connection. 
Uh, we had, we all had a really good friendship saying, you know, like one, one, one game in 2012, he had 12 catches and a half. So um, just unbelievable and unbelievably tough dude. Danny, I always tell this story. Wiki, Wikipedia tells it better than me. Uh, I pulled this up. It reads on October 4th, 2012, Amendola suffered a dislocated clavicle in the second quarter of the game versus the Arizona Cardinals. In a rare case, instead of popping out, uh-oh, the clavicle popped in and came millimeters from puncturing his trachea and aorta, which probably wouldn't have been the first death in the, the Edward Jones dome. Like somebody probably kicked the bucket at some point in there. Damn near took Reggie Bush, took his ACL on that shitty track of concrete. That, Anyways, uh, Rams medical staff called around the league for information, but no teams reported ever having a player suffer a sim- similar injury. And they said, you only see this injury in car accident victims. He got anesthesia uh, before popping the clavicle back into place. Due to the unusual nature of the injury, the Rams were not certain when he would return, but was able to recover after just three weeks and recorded 11 for 102 in a hard-fought tie with the San Francisco 49ers, which is the game that I was so disgusted we tied the Niners. Uh, I got really shitty and fell up the bus steps getting on the uh, the charter bus steps uh, right in front of Coach Fisher. And he laughed and smiled because I played pretty well too. But Dola uh, balled out that game. And it was three weeks off of having this horrific injury nobody had ever had before. And I can remember that night uh, when we when we were playing the Cardinals, watching him argue with trainers to go back in the game. Guy was absolute psycho. And it wasn't like putting on a show. Some guys were like, no, let me back in there. Like, he was fucking mad. They're walking him down the, the tunnel there in Edward Jones' dome, and he's throwing his helmet. He's, you know, Dr. Matava's telling him, like, nah, it's over, dude. Like, we might have to, we might have to go into surgery tonight. Um, and uh, luckily, they just had to pop it back into place. Uh, finished that season with 800 total, 804 total yards, 666 yards on 63 receptions, uh, and, you know, and 122 on 17 punt returns. Uh, he was he was awesome. Uh, he he did it all for you in 2013. Uh, remember when Welker left and went to you guys, Reed? Hours later, they scooped him up in New England. Mm-hmm. So he was like this Wes Welker kind of guy in New England as well. And I can remember in 2014 they won that Super Bowl, uh, and he played big that playoff uh, stretch. He, he was big against Baltimore. He was big in the Super Bowl. Me and Sam Bradford in Mexico on vacation in this authentic little bar, slamming Coronas, just obliterating them, stressed out, watching this game on a tiny TV because our friend was in it and because the Seahawks sucked. So that was uh, that was my memory of, of supporting Danny and, and just watching him go on that run. And for us in St. Louis, when a buddy leaves, you want him to play so well. It's like, I don't have an ounce of resentment for somebody who, who escaped St. Louis in that time period and saw what he saw. So uh, we enjoyed watching him. I mean, I even, you know, after the dust cleared and settled in our Super Bowl Eagles Pats, where he had 152, was pretty proud uh, that that dude that started in Earth City just turned into such a consistent, really good player. Somebody that, you know, whether he was in Miami or Detroit in the Matt Patricia era was good for almost you know, was north of 600 yards every year, 
give you a bunch of return yardage, play through anything. Great locker room guy. Love Danny Amendola. That he played 13 seasons after going over the middle a ton as an undersized dude. That's insane. I said that to him on the phone two nights ago. You know, he hit me up. And, uh, you know, when somebody retires, you want to, like, tell them the truth. You want to tell them, like, because when you have a buddy retire, when I retired, you know, I had a couple people call me and tell me what they thought of my career, you know, like, in an honest and really good way. And um, it's important to tell people how great they were, you know, like, or good they were, you know. Um, and for me, I just, that was the one thing I said to Danny. I was like, look at your career, dude. 13 years. And you got blasted. I, I can't even count on one hand the time I thought he was dead in St. Louis, dude. Like he was the buddy Lee of the NFL to me. And I almost quote tweeted his retirement tweet with that, but I thought people would think it was a slight because it, buddy Lee's so small, but you could not fucking kill buddy Lee. So not just, not to mention, you know, being playoff Dola, you know, catching a bunch of balls from Tom Brady, you know, milestone catches, big playoff catches, but I'm just as proud of the, the, the catches that nobody remembers, you know, where not a lot of people are watching that game or it means nothing. And, you know, um, some guys are fair weather football players. He was not a fair weather football player. He was any situation and he did it for 13 years. So that's the one thing you, you, when guys retire, dude, you, you got to hear it. Your buddy's got to call and say, Hey, you were fucking awesome. And so when he, when he hit me up, I was so excited for him and also just unloaded all these compliments. I'm telling y'all. And uh, I'm just really appreciative that, uh, that he, that he got to escape St. Louis and have such a great run in New England because he deserved it. So uh, hunger games whistle for Danny Amendola. And, and there's a few more. Jeff Fisher used to tell me, don't retire in months to start with uh, Jay, like January, June, July. And that's actually why I ended up retiring in 2019. 2018, quick story. Uh, I got to camp and uh, I was miserable. I was like really not happy. Um, I just didn't feel, I, I didn't have a good feeling about what was coming. Our room was really crowded. You know, Michael Bennett, who I mentioned earlier, had just come on. I was like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough year because I feel like, you know, maybe it's inevitable people get full of themselves after a Super Bowl. Um, it's inevitable I'm going to get the short end of the stick here as an older dude. I mean, like, and it's training camp. And I was just fucking struggling a little bit. And when I tell you that physical day, I spent 30 minutes in my car thinking about retiring, you know, um, which is not shocking at that age. I'm sure a lot of guys sit in the car on the way to training camp like, do I really want to do this? And it followed me into the building and I went home that night. I was like, I got two days to do it. Like, if you're going to retire, you need to just do it. Um, but I eventually decided to stick around and I don't regret it. Uh, but I know guys consider it every fucking year and to have the balls to do it, to start camp. Good for you. Like not even, not even throwing shade. I'm, I'm actually complimenting guys that, Day one at camp, they show up. Now, it's one thing if a, if a quarterback or a player that's, that's you know, a top five player on the team or a top ten player on the team is, is considering retirement and does it because that puts their team at some sort of a disadvantage. But, you know, a lot of the, these guys that you're hearing are retiring, you know, 
some of them, I didn't know where they were. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I just mean that, that, you know, it's that time in your career. And Eddie Goldman, who was a really good player in Chicago, kind of was the first one to catch my eye because he had just signed with the Falcons 13 days ago. And you're thinking like, man, it must be bad in Atlanta. (laughs) I need to hammer that uh, win total on the under side of things. And I actually haven't done that yet. I didn't do that. Eddie, Eddie Goldman probably moved the fucking, the the number because you know, here's a guy that I did not expect to be retiring and it happens every year. You've got guys like Chris Carson who retire because of an injury, but I, you know, the first day at camp, I see that the, some Raiders guy retired. I'm thinking to myself, like, I wonder where his head's at. You know, a lot of anxiety going into camp for a lot of guys, man. It's a stressful time of year. It's not just fucking fun. Like, it's not just Nicolas Cage rolling up to the building or this, that, and the third. But yeah, like, you get guys every year who show up to camp and they're like, this isn't for me anymore. And good for them. You know, like, good for them for, for following that, that, that thought. Because if you're not ready and you go do that, you're not going to be your best. You might get hurt and you're not going to help the team. And then you got guys like Mitchell Schwartz, who we saw this coming. Great player, great right tackle for a long time. Richie Incognito, who played for what feels like. I mean, it felt like he had nine lives. Like you couldn't kill him. Better known as the serial shirt ripper on this show. Yeah, rip making shirt. You know, got you got to play many years after that transgression. And then Jason McCourty. You know, another really good player. He played a long time. Got a chance to win a Super Bowl with the Patriots, him and his brother, um, Dev. And then K.J. Wright retired. I saw he signed with the Seahawks. He was pretty emotional about that. One of the most unsung heroes on that on that LOB kind of era uh, team. I, I forget what his first year was, um, but, I mean, it's been 11 years in the league now. So, you know, it was 2011 or whatever. He, got, he was part of that ride, man, and, and just seemed to always be on the spot to make a play, a deflection, a big tackle, like getting somebody down in the open field, you know, adding on a rush. Like he just did, he did a lot of stuff for them. And um, I was really happy that he got to sign with the the, the Seahawks because I'm, he is loved in that city. Uh, so congratulations on a great career. You see this every year, guys retire for different reasons. And, um, you know, it ain't so bad sitting at home in the heat of August. Remember when Vontae Davids uh, did it in fucking in, December? That was incredible. Or November. That what? He he retired in the middle of the game and made it home before the game ended. He watched the end of the game on the TV. Watched the game. Sat, sat down. His wife turned around and after the door opened, and was like, what are you doing here? Absolute stones on that guy. So I'm never going to knock anybody for saying this is too much. Timing, it helps sometimes to go early, but, uh, but so a lot of these guys are like, hey, I'm really not hurting or helping uh, too much. You know, maybe I just head home. Mika Fitzpatrick fell off a bike on vacation, non-football injury list. Uh, take time to remind you, don't judge these guys, man. Uh, you know, people don't mean to get hurt doing stupid shit. Fuck, guy can't ride a bike. I don't know. Shit happens. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, $200, 200 big ones on a $50 bet. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. 
Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Kyler Murray, dude. Kyler Murray, uh, 160 guaranteed. You know, my dad always used to say to me as a player, he was like, hey, when you see a number, just go straight for those guarantees, right? And now that's kind of become the thing. In fact, some people were like, oh, Kyler should have pushed to get more guaranteed money. That's what everybody's doing now. You know, um, everybody should be getting guaranteed uh, contracts, especially a quarterback. One, I don't think everybody's ever going to get guaranteed contracts. And that might be my pessimistic hat. But part of it is because, you know, like outside the, the position of quarterback, especially if, and if you're not like elite, right, this is the hardest sport to project success over a contract. You know, it's it's there's the most injury variability. You know, careers are the shortest, right? Average NFL careers, three years. So if you sign a guy to a four year d- deal in baseball and you sign a guy to a four year deal in football relative to basketball or some other sport, the, the, the second one I mentioned is the one that the guy might change the most over that four-year span. And uh, I can I, I can attest uh, to that as a player. Like, I saw that happen with contracts that I signed. You know, like, you're not the guy often that puts pen to paper. So it is hard. Uh, and they also, they also point to the escrow rule, um, which is a bit antiquated, to give guys guaranteed money. So it's going to be hard to do this. But I can see some some NFL quarterbacks getting guaranteed money in the future. Like many of them, probably like uh, especially Justin Herbert and um, and uh, Joe Burrow, who are going to be up about the same time, are going to be justified in asking for guaranteed money. And because of that escrow rule, because Spanos and Brown, as I believe I understand it, have to put money into an account uh, to to almost prove that you have the funds to pay that quarterback or that player uh, after that first year under contract, you know, like those are two of the the notoriously cheapest owners in the NFL. So I'm not saying they're not going to pay him, but it's pretty interesting. Those two quarterbacks are going to be in line for big guaranteed contracts. And like the Bengals are known not to pay people. Uh, You're going to get a a bit of like a hometown discount, like uh, tug at the heartstrings with Joe Burrow. But Justin Herbert, you know, there's you, you got to pay that man. He's worth what the market's you know willing to pay him, and I'm sure they'll get these guys paid. But guys like that, they could get guaranteed contracts. Anybody else, you know, guys below that tier in the future in the NFL, I could see some quarterbacks getting short guaranteed contracts. Like Kirk Cousins had like a two or three year deal. That's easier to stomach. You know, it's easier to afford. There's less risk. Um, I don't see position players getting, you know, guaranteed deals by and large at the, at the, you know, in the middle class of the NFL and below. I, I don't, uh, unless, you know, guys want to go to like one year deals eventually, which would make it like a, you know, a, a kind of a headhunter kind of league where you, you've just got a ton of roster turnover and that sort of thing. Lamar's leverage is insane right now, dude, because if it comes to Lamar or Kyler, 10 out of 10, I'm going Lamar. Even with Kyler improving year after year, even with him making a lot of these awesome plays, and I've said it, Kyler has an opportunity to be that guy who's kind of must-see pay-per-view. He kind of owns every Sunday uh, on TV. 
if he eliminates some of his mistakes and bad habits. He has that in him. And before the revelation about the four-hour rule, which we'll get to in a second, uh, we knew that this was it was a bit of a you know barrier to entry for him, like preparation. You know, there's been rumblings. And no one's, you know, me as a media member, I don't want to say that because unless I'm in that building and I, and I see that, I can't just haphazardly repeat what I'm hearing as gospel because, number one, it's probably a little bit irresponsible, but number two, what we do now when, when you criticize a player for something like that is everybody calls you a hater. And you're like, it ain't worth it to, to make this inference with Kyler Murray and get called a hater by my peers. I think it's confirmed at this point that he has a bit of a preparation problem. And that scares you. I mean, when you, when you couple that, um, and for people who, who didn't see the Kyler Murray contract details, that the Arizona Cardinals put in a clause wherein he has to study at least four hours a week outside the building on electronics. Uh, and the clause is so specific. I say it's not just the time spent. We're going to go good faith that you're not playing a video game or watching TV. Like, I've never heard of that in a contract. And a hundred people have said that by this point in the week, but I just had to say it. That's that kind of scares me. If I'm, if I'm an, if I'm a Cardinals fan, especially when, although he's improved every year and he's put up some good numbers, uh, he, he's, he's a below 500 quarterback right now, right now, um, over his first couple of years, he, he's been poor in the red zone, uh, and he's faded late in seasons. And that's the scariest one. And I'm not blaming him for getting hurt or getting dinged or wearing down. He's a slight guy and he's an explosive athlete. Explosive athletes get hurt sometimes. Slight guys get hurt sometimes. And especially guys who use their legs a lot. And I'm not saying he's not a pocket passer. He's a fucking, he's got a cannon on his shoulder. And when he lets that thing loose and he knows where he wants to go with the football, look out. And that's why I say if he can tinker with this thing maybe this four-hour rule catapult him maybe it's the stick not the carrot with him he can be that kind of guy that owned the nfl like lamar in 2020 or whatever it was is that a pr disaster though like leaking those contract details like doesn't it look bad both ways like bad on him and also like they don't trust him it's it's bad i don't know if they leaked it intentionally uh but it kind of, if they leak that, I don't think they leak that intentionally because, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Reed? I don't think they would leak that because if you leak that, that just puts more pressure on him to succeed. Now, maybe it's one of those I'm washing my hands of and I'm letting people know what the problem is so that we have some plausible deniability on this thing or people are like, well, there was this extenuating circumstance why he didn't get done over this contract. But, dude, you're paying the guy. You're committing to the guy. You can't half step on this thing. So I don't think that they're leaking that. But what it is, is it's disturbing because even though you know you want him to succeed, you burnt the ships to have him, you ship Josh Rosen away, which they've made the right move, right? The right move was made. But what you do now, uh, you have to be very careful. Um, and, and hopefully it's the right call. I'm not saying I wouldn't have paid him, but, you know, it is disturbing to, to see the four hour rule and, you know, Rappaport's the funniest thing is he leaks it and then clarifies it. Like just after that, you know, like he already studies four hours a day. It's just this interesting detail and all this stuff. Like, no, Ian, like you, you <laughs> leaked it cause it's fucking incendiary dude. And it should have been leaked. It should have been leaked because it's, this is a hot tamale of a detail in a contract, dude. I don't know if I've ever seen one so unique. So 
and um, specific. It's very, very specific. There's been ones before, like Kurt Schilling and Glenn Big Baby Davis both had weight, you know, marks they had to hit. They would get money if they hit their weight. And Vladimir Redmanovich with the Lakers, he had a clause in his contract. He couldn't do any extreme sports, no skiing for him. What I would was say, that guy's fucking problem hitting the slopes? I know. Yeah, he just had that champagne powder. He just. I, I might. You know, I, I don't know which I'd rather have, like a starting quarterback who doesn't study four hours a week <laughs> or, um, or a guy that likes to hit the slopes during the season, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know, but here's the thing. And maybe part of the projection that nobody knows, nobody knows Kyler better than Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. And it is not Steve Kime's job to get this kid to study. It is Cliff Kingsbury's job. And it starts with Kyler, like, right. So I'm all about player accountability and this is concerning. But Cliff Kingsbury has to get control of that quarterback, okay? If, if he's not worried about the pressure on him on the team or on the coaching staff enough to study for four hours, you're the fucking – you are the, the, the needle that we're trying to thread here to get paid, to go to the playoffs, to win a Super Bowl, to sell tickets like you are – and this is why, you know, heavy, heavy is the head that wears the crown. You're the fucking straw that serves the drink. We, we as the Cardinals can only go as far as, as Kyler Murray takes us. And that might have been one of the, probably the only reason they would have leaked it is to put more pressure on Kyler. Like, we're taking this so seriously that we're going to leak it. Information goes public. Everyone now knows that he has an issue studying. He plays too many video games. He doesn't take his... It, take this as seriously as he should. Isn't that risky? Well, I don't think it's as risky because you're you're the Cardinals are putting it all on Kyler. They're showing him that this is this much of a problem and everybody's going to be talking about it. You either need to step up now and fix it and take care of this or like you're going to look silly and it's going to be on you. See, Kyler's agent is probably the one who hit up Ian. I feel like if I'm the GM and maybe this is just me, or if I'm the one doing this contract, you know, I'm worried about a guy who just said he didn't want to be a Cardinal unfollowed me on all the fuck. There is a, a level of like ego management here too. Right. And mm -hmm. we have to do these dances. Sometimes we don't want to, where this guy just didn't want to be on the team recently. Like he's, he wiped this, you can call that, you know, leveraging or posturing or whatever, but you've got a situation here. You're going to throw gasoline on it. Um, Cause if I'm Kyler, I'm probably studying if I'm Kyler, but if, if I'm Kyler, I imagine I'm also angry that got leaked. He's 24 years old. Okay. So I want to say this cliff Kingsbury, I, you know, like to finish that earlier, like cliff is the one that has to, of all these people make this happen. It is on him. Okay. And, uh, and you know, like the scary thing to me is if he's fading at the end of the season, that's when you got to win, dude, you're not even playing in a cold weather climate. You know, it's not, you're not in a division. Um, you know, where it's 32 degrees outside every game. Um, the, the, the interesting thing for Kyler Murray is if he doesn't show signs of improvement, I worry this is the last big contract he gets, right? Like he can't be underwhelming on this deal because nobody at 28 or 29 is going to project this explosive athleticism alone as a winning formula for him over the next four to five years. He has to learn to be a football player too. You know, and I think that's what you're hearing, right? Um, and a football player means like 
all week. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just be a football player during practice and on Sunday, especially not as a quarterback. So uh, 24 years old, I was super immature at 24, but I wasn't the head. You know, I wasn't the quarterback in an NFL building. And so the four hour thing does concern me. I can't wait for the lawsuit for a few years from now where he claims that playing Madden was studying. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I mean like, Hey, Madden's really fucking tough these days, man. It's really detailed. That could be he learning he how have... to read defenses and yeah. feel, feel yeah. pressure in the pocket. I don't I, I'm not saying he's not, I, I think he's, he's obviously a bright kid. He's, he's obviously tough. He's obviously, he obviously plays hard. I mean, he's out there playing like he's in the backyard, man. But being a football player is an all week thing. And, you know, this is, this is an, this is an admission in the process of the, the, the contract negotiation pen to paper here that he has not been a football player all week. And, you know, I'm not hating. I like Kyler Murray. I said last year, I think he can have that Lamar type year, but can he have that Lamar type year? Or can he have a couple years where he plays at a really high level? Because when you hear this uh, and you see the way they're set up and the way they've, they've faded late in season as a team too, they seem like a team that might make one run, but then nothing after that because it takes a lot to be consistent in the NFL as players and as a team. So the Cardinals, I'm not buying them this year after that. Like They're going to have to show me that, that there's been a big improvement there because that's scary. Um, and here's somebody who I don't want to be unfair to Trey Lance. Like, listen, he's been there a year. I, I've said this over and over again. I thought that they, you know, it was concerning. They stashed him as much as they did in like situations where you thought they'd use him, like in the red zone or in key situations where Jimmy was struggling, but I get it. You know, they believe in this kid. They wanted, they wanted him to, to wait a year. Um, and they got some valuable experience out of him, you know, not just the preseason, you know, where, where you got to watch him slinging around a bunch early in, in, uh, in August, but you had the Seattle game in the second half, you had, um, the Cardinals game, um, you had the, the Texans game, like this guy saw some action and some of it was impressive. Some of it, not so much. I mean, the guy's got a live arm, get him comfortable turning his back to the defense, you know, to, to marry up some of the, the, this run stuff they have in their system. If the run game gets going, Jimmy G, they killed his trade value. I don't know what to make of that, but the, you know, it's, it's Trey Lance's team. There's no going back now, not unless he just burns it down and Jimmy's healthy and he's there, which I don't know that, that happens. You know, I think it's, it's likely he, but what do you think, Reed? They probably release him or uh, at some point before camp or before camp ends. Yeah. I, I think it's a, if, if they can't get a trade deal done, then, then they'll probably release him. And it's all these teams, like there's not many teams to go to. You know, the Panthers made their deal. The Seahawks, what are they going to do? It seems like that they're okay with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and they might wait till next year to draft a quarterback. Uh, but there's not many other spots that you can go to. Yeah, and I feel bad for Jimmy. You know, like Jimmy, uh, it's, I've often said he's like kind of, he was in a similar situation to Baker in that, you know, you knew uh, he probably might end up on a different team, but Baker occupied that musical chair first and the Browns were rolling with Jacoby Brissett. That's not to say something can't happen with Jimmy, but it doesn't sound like it's going to, um, you know, with Trey, the footwork's a concern, you know, misses some really easy stuff. Like I've seen him miss a bunch of underneath balls last year, uh, stuff in the flat, like ball placement, 
and, and being like a, a, a passer, not a thrower. Right. Um, they, that's what they say. I might've butchered that, but the guys who can, can pass say, be a passer, not a thrower. Um, he rifles a lot of balls in there. He's got a great arm. It's, it's early. So I don't want to write him off. I don't see what he's seeing. I'll say that, but that's not to say I'm right. That's Kyle Shanahan. Okay. Trust the guy. I don't know if it's a John Lynch call or what, but I trust Kyle Shanahan. Um, and you know, sometimes as somebody with a podcast, you get the fuck out of the way and say, Kyle knows more than I know. And Kyle has seen Trey Lance in practice. And you have a team who was a player two away from the Super Bowl last year. They've been in the dance at the end a couple years now with Jimmy G as their quarterback. This might be an indictment on how little Kyle thinks of Jimmy G's ceiling. And he's more of a ceiling guy. I mean, this is a guy that threw the ball at the end of the Super Bowl when it was all locked up, right? He's in attack mode, you know? And Trey Lance might fit the bill more in his head when it comes to getting into attack mode, taking shots. I mean, he's had to sit and win games, throwing the ball six, 12 times over the last couple of years in the playoffs. You know, the Vikings win, the Packers win. Although Jimmy made some really nice shows in that game in the snow. Like they've had to win games where they hide a, a quarterback. He must think I can improve Trey Lance to the point that I get more upside and I can still hide him, you know, where he's weak uh, as he develops. So kudos to him for, putting his nuts on the table on this thing. I know, you know, there's confirmation bias there, but you got to ride with him. Right. And uh, by the way, Kyle Shanahan, great lettuce, man. His lettuce is on point right now. Good for him. Uh, hopefully Trey Lance is, uh, is, is the guy because they're a fun team. So, uh, and then Julio Jones, Julio Jones, uh, down in Tampa. I haven't really tracked the Julio Jones sweepstakes. Tampa was really the only team he, you know, he just kind of came out of nowhere and signed with them at the end. You know, there were some teams that were like, oh, Julio Jones would fit in here, fit in there, fit in there. But he wasn't really tied to any teams before it was announced that he was signed uh, in Tampa, where he really fits very well. He does fit. And, you know, they, they need somebody. This is an interesting year for Tom, right? Like, I don't know, you know, Godwin's coming off an ACL, right? You've got Mike Evans. You bring in Russell Gage, who I think is as big a, an acquisition as Julio almost in, in some ways, because, you know, like, I don't know if you're going to be able to count on Julio for 16 games. You know, um, you need depth there. You're losing Rob Gronkowski in the passing game. Like, you know, on paper, Evans, Godwin, Jones looks like this blockbuster movie, right? I've already seen the thing where they're all like back to back silhouettes and stuff, but like dig a little deeper. They still have Scotty Miller. They still have some pieces, but. On the top end, with a guy coming off an ACL and a guy like Julio who hasn't played all the games uh, coming off his Tennessee stint, they're like an injury away or two away from, from you know Tom looking around like, who the fuck do I throw the ball to? Did you like the Kyle Rudolph signing? Rudolph, hey, listen, Rudolph is, Rudolph is a guy that you're going to get – I hate to do this. You're going to get really solid play out of him and great leadership. You know, Kyle Rudolph is going to be a guy – who, who makes the locker room better. And may, I feel like I'm talking about an old me here. So I, I, I hate how I used to feel when somebody would say like, he's a good solid player at 32 or 33 and he's going to make the locker room better. He's a locker room guy. Uh, I think he, he, he's going to surprise some people, but he's not grunk, right? 
Um, so listen, I think, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see that play out there. There's another team like Dallas that I, I I'm really curious about how that's going to play out with those wide receivers. You know, they bring in James Washington from Pittsburgh. He's got to kind of step up. They lose Cooper. Um, Gallup's coming off a, a, an ACL as well. And I only say this, guys recover from ACL as well. But these recoveries are bumping up to camp, I believe, uh, with these couple guys. Reed, you can confirm that for me. But Chris Godwin is not listed on the pup list. He's a full participant in training camp. But Michael Gallup was listed on the pup list. And you just don't want to take anything for granted. You also lost Cedric Wilson, so... You know, there's going to be some key guys, uh, and that's why I look at guys like Russell Gage, or I look at a guy like James Washington. Maybe some of these, like this guy, you got to hit on this. Maybe under the radar free agent signing. Um, you know, Green Bay is another one. Like, what's going on with those receivers up there? Who's going to step up and be the guy? And I just saw an Aaron Rodgers thing about Alan Lazard. And like going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, and it being tough. Reed, explain that soundbite to me again. I might. I might just be out of the game too long here. He said something about Devontae or Devontae said something about him. He was asked how it's going to be going from Devontae to Alan Lazard. And he said, well, it's always hard going from a Hall of Famer to a Hall of Famer. But, you know, and here's, here's it's not even a funny joke. It doesn't like. Right. It just felt like he was pissed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, pit- a, that's a, like a big fuck you, Derek Carr. Exactly. And that he's I don't know. It seemed like it got to him for sure. Um, yeah, it, if you're going to do that, make it funnier, right? You know, because Alan, the, the distance between Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr is not the distance between Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. That's a fucking that's that's a that's a, a mile gap. And I say that because Devontae is the best in the league. I do think Lazard's going to have a big year. I like Lazard a lot. Now, maybe I'm wrong, maybe Devontae covers a lot of you know warts for these guys, but um, we'll see. Lot to look at the receiving cores around the uh, around the league and fuck dude that's just a couple days of, of of patty cake camp and we've got all that to talk about we just keep this ball rolling they, if they keep making news we'll have shit to talk about and we'll coast through the season guys we'll be good so uh, we'll be I'll be back in the chair eventually here but uh, appreciate everybody listening and their, their patience letting us go on vacation for a little bit y'all y'all take care and and uh, I don't know when I'll be back on this mic next but. Uh, but uh, we, we've got some good. We've got more pre pre recorded. That's some good stuff, stuff coming. What is it? The first ladies draft. We got a first ladies got, draft, and we got a little nostalgia '90s babes draft. Nice, yeah. nice. It's good wholesome content. Very uh, for the first week of August. All right, y'all. I'm